When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is brought to you by Koen Vioma Law PLLC is 100% native owned and operated founded by Vern Koen Vioma. Their practice areas include corporate law, business transactions, finance, economic development, gaming, casino development, online gaming, real estate, environmental permitting and approvals, telecommunications, government affairs, employment and labor relations, historic preservation and cultural resources and energy. Koen Vioma Law is committed to making positive and lasting change in our communities as they support nonprofit volunteering, community activism, and employing Indian preference in hiring and vendor relations. are now listening to the Carl and J-Man Save the World podcast. I am your host, the five star, five diamond chef, J-Man. And with me is Carl Knowles. <laughs> Carl Knowles. You are now listening to Carl and J-Man Save the World podcast. The 10 star, 10 diamond chef, Carl Knowles. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's going on, guys? It's great to be back here in the studio. It is the season finale, and we are excited because we get to go on break. <laughs> we get to go on break. Uh, but I don't know if it's going to be much of a break because we got some work to do. Dang, no kidding. We made promises via our YouTube. We made promises via a giveaway. Yeah. Increase our social media I, content. I've heard about that. And then uh, we're, I guess, to some degree, supervisors. I am. <laughs> <laughs> and so we mentioned last week that we brought on a new member to the CJ podcast team. And so that is Kyle Sekekeke. Out of Songopavi Village. And so, in addition to him joining the team, that we're still working with AJ, who's done a great job this season. Yeah. So, uh, Kyle's going to be behind the, the camera and he's done some pretty good work. I don't know if you know him by, uh, by trade. And he, he has videos out there on Facebook. So, Facebook, Vimo, uh, YouTube, um, you name it, you, you can see his, um, only fans as well too. I'm a subscriber. I'm a subscriber. So. <laughs> and so the the company Christmas photo will actually have more than just two faces this year, which is we, very exciting. We get to exchange names this year. We actually get to have a yeah, secret just, Santa. This yeah, year. just not with us two. <laughs> I get because I keep drawing my own name. Yeah, I know you're getting tired of getting ties from me. So. <laughs> But, but we, are, we are here with the very last episode for this season, at least, until we move over into next season. And so starting off this episode, I'd like to start off with some thank yous, some quests. All right. Yeah. Some big shout outs. And so I guess the biggest shout out then would go to our season presenting sponsor, Baron Kowanbiyama. I kind of forgot what the name of the sponsorship, <laughs> but he is our, we are brought to you by. And so right now, Carl, you got half your tattoo on your goodie done. Yeah. Right now it says Baron K-E. So the other side's going to have a butterfly. <laughs> it says, uh, it says Varin and then has a butterfly on the side. And so big shout out to Kowanbiyama Law for being our presenting sponsor this year. And so another shout out to our season sponsors, to our season sponsors, Native Community Capital and our boy, Dave Castillo. Shouts out to Native American Connections, who is a first time sponsor this season and their tree program. And so if you're in the valley and you come from a Native heritage, go hit them up. And then also two big shout out to Nurturing Indigenous Intelligence, doing some great things out in the community. Yeah. Thank you guys for opening your wallets to us. I know that uh, we're not a professional podcast uh, show out there, but we try. We try so hard. 
we're 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 in that ballpark of all the other famous podcasters out there. So um, without your contributions, you know, we will just be basically just arguing with each other with a mic. <laughs> so. I, I, I would have absolutely no motivation to even try to make this sound good. <laughs> I'd just be sitting here listening to you talk about. But Whatever it is that you want to talk about. My OnlyFans page with my, with one sub- subscription <laughs> soul. <laughs> and I like to give another shout out to our 30 pack circle of givers. And so special folks out there that dig deep into their wallets and give us money once a month. And so big shouts out to Alexis Kehi. Shout out to Michaela Williams. Shout out to Ron Honyemtiwa, Terry Hanani, Troy Lamovaya, Brandon Coyne. Marie Nachi, Deidre Leslie, Michael Ray, Vivica Shula, Aaron McEmrist, Donovan Goldtooth, our boy Dion Sania, Millard Kawanyama, Gary Lamayasva, and my good friend Mikhail Larzalair. All right. Thank you guys for donating your Shasta Coke and your Pepsi and your Coke or whatever you call it, Dr. Pepper. That list is starting to get long again. It is. It got long-winded reading <laughs> off those names, but quite, quite big appreciation from us that you guys support us, that you guys actually like our content enough to give us money, give us to money out of your create more content via our podcast. And then, as we mentioned before, that we got some helpers now, and so YouTube is go, hopefully going to be back up and running fairly soon. Oh, yeah. And so... We actually have no topic today. Yeah, actually, we don't have a topic today. So thank you for, uh, you know. Oh, that's the wrong one. Uh, was it? Oh, yeah. Thank you for uh, joining us. This is Carl. My name is Carl. And this is my best friend, Jamie. Nah, I'm just kidding. And and it's it's funny because then you know we did we I actually thought that this season that our topics were fairly diverse. Yeah. We had quite a bit of special guests and it's funny oh, yeah. to me because for some reason you don't like special guests. I don't know why. Well Yeah, that's probably true. I I don't know. I don't know. I just don't feel the the energy and the love that you and I have. So you, you feel like that you have to. I feel like I was left out. You're you're like that thaha at home that gets upset when company comes over because <laughs> then so it makes you put a shirt on. Yeah, it's probably and true. then you have to get out of your comfort zone just to appease those that yeah. come say maybe, hi. Maybe in the room, and then you're all grumpy. Yeah. And, so I was like, come say hi. <laughs> so I know who that is. And you know, it is, it's kind of a chore, I guess, to work with special guests sometimes because, you know, I guess kind of going behind the scenes. Oh yeah. Yeah. That you is. do have to create the schedules have to coincide. And oh, yeah. so in addition for our time to be available, that their time has to also be free when we're free. And then, so, you know, there has been, I don't know how many times in the history of our podcast where we tried to bring people on, but just for whatever reason, it just didn't work out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, you know, guests actually do have, uh, uh, they contribute to the podcast itself. And throughout the season, actually, they were uh, the stars of the show. Mm-hmm. You know, they mm-hmm. they gave their insights to all of the, you know, little quirks and mm-hmm. history parts of their everyday lives and what they know about Hopi. For sure. But then they like, well, I guess exactly what you're saying is that they do contribute another aspect. Yeah, because they, then, they contribute know, we, their money. So <laughs> oh, because you and I, we kind of really just have our our perspectives are surprisingly very similar. <laughs> because given like how different we are, yeah. at least I think that we're different. Because you know, I think of myself as cool, calm, collected, hardworking, real functioning individual yeah. out in our society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I kind of think of you. Uh, well, you know, as I don't really cool, think about confident, you a whole lot, and- so you know, I kind of really don't know. <laughs> But some of the positives about you are, but the you know, lady I, killer. <laughs> that's how I see myself. <laughs> but we definitely we we do share at least the same opinions, especially when it comes to talking about Hopi, because then you know, even that that we both were raised by older individuals, and so we share some of the things that are very similar. And so uh, that that's kind of a good point in bringing on those special guests. That if we do talk about something, talking about an aspect that is. <laughs> I can with this. <laughs> Either you got to change it or you got to turn it down. This this is this music here is a motivation stuff here. <laughs> you got to change it or you got to turn it down. <laughs> this is a motivational music. 
<laughs> okay, go ahead. And and so, but but we do we do have some talking points today. And basically, what today is, we're just going to be two Hopi guys talking about Hopi stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I actually did have a topic that you and I have never really touched upon a whole lot, and that's kind of this realm of education. Yeah. We've never really talked that. We've talked about it to a little bit to some degree. I think really just most of our childhood experiences were in grade school. You got to change it, dude. You got, you got to change it. <laughs> Wait, you don't you don't like this? I let's, don't. Let's, let's, let's listen to this here. You know, I could throw some backtrack to Living on the edge, my friend. Going to my... You don't like that? It's amazing that how embarrassing and frustrated I was with the Yoff boy that you've actually surpassed <laughs> that, that, uh, that expectation and frustration. And so <laughs> I, I, I guess, you know, Adrian has nothing to hold against you. <laughs> but going back to uh, education wise, I guess you could say. Go, going back to education, that that's something that neither one of you are. Neither you or I have ever really talked about, and I think really, it's uh, it's a big topic out there. Well, I mean, like education out on the reservation is a huge topic because now we're getting ready to like what combine like uh, what combine all schools to like one to one school. Yeah, district. yeah, yeah. And it's been the talk, like it's been the talk of the town for like so many years. It's been the talk of the town. And I, I guess, you know, to an extent, the, the reason, at least I can speak on my, for myself as to why I've never really wanted to bring it up a whole lot, although I really do want to talk about it, but it's kind of difficult for me because then, you know, you and I, we kind of have these personas yeah. as Carl and J-Man. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, you know, you see us in our suits and ties behind our mics and, you know, that's kind of the, the image that we try to uphold, but yet in real life, behind the scenes that you're Carl... And you actually have a last name. Yep. And that you actually have a home. You actually have an occupation. And you actually do things outside of the podcast, which is true <laughs> for, for myself. And, you know, some of the things that I do that are outside of the podcast is I do have ties to our educational system out here that I am affiliated to a degree with two of our schools out here on Hopi. And so, you know, I kind of know a little bit behind uphold the scenes. Uphold that. As yeah, what the it, uphold the thing. That's yeah. what goes into our education. But, you know, and I, I guess really for, for me, you know, it's just this idea of trying to be professional because, you know, when you're a professional, that you hold up, uphold the highest of images for the organizations or yeah. institutions that you represent. And so for our occupations, when we're out there in the world, that we represent where we work. Yeah. We represent the communities that we're from. We represent the families that we come from. Okay. And so we do our best to behave when we're out there. We do our best to act like we got a brain. Okay. We do our best to try to represent all of those things that we represent well. And so when you're out there bashing your place of employment, that would be seen as unprofessional. Okay. When you're out there, I don't know, if you're on a business trip, you get drunk at the hotel bar, yeah. take a piss in the hallway, that could be seen as just like last week you unprofessional. Did. <laughs> <laughs> and and so, you know, and I, I guess really that's kind of one of one of the reasons why I've never really delved into this idea of education. I always figured that once I severed my ties from the schools, then I could be able to really talk about and it. And really piss in the I hallways. I wouldn't be afraid to offend anybody about what my opinions are or what some of the knowledge that I have on how some of the things that are functioning out here or not functioning. But you know, it's one of the funniest things, though. I mean, I guess it's not really funny, but it's kind of one of the most saddest things for sure that I think is that as an employee to any place out here on Hopi, like you could, you could probably come on a podcast completely bash your place of work. Yeah, people and, will hear it and not get fired, for and it. you'd still have a job. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. You'd still have a job. It's like one of the most backwards things out here, and it's it's so odd, but it, it happens often. Yeah, I do you, the same thing. So. <laughs> <laughs> I bashed I bashed the place where I work at, and I still have a job. So you hear of it happening, you hear. Some people even witness it. Yeah. But then yeah. yet 
people are continued worse so, or they worse. So what does this have to do with like education? What, what does this have to do with the whole education part of it? Well, it was explaining my stance on why I don't delve too much in education, but I definitely want to talk about it now. Okay, good. And I want to talk about it, I guess, kind of in a different way because, you know, I had a whole week. I've been gone for like seven days straight. Yeah. And it's like one of the most exhaustive trips that I've ever done in my life. And so, you know, right now... I, I like my half my brain's working, <laughs> but then I th- I still think that I still have more brain points than you. So yeah, just like we're we're, we're still your half your brain's still working, working, just like every day, fairly fairly functioning. We're still going to fairly function, <laughs> but you know, I and I've 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 uh, had several conversations on the topic of education within yeah. the last seven days, and it's really interesting because then I think that when we think about education out here on Hopi. And I, I guess, you know, this is kind of a big topic that for you and I to talk about, but there's always been this idea of culturally, there's a term out there called culturally responsive schooling. Okay. And what that means is that you introduce a level of culture okay. within the educational setting. Yeah. You introduce a level of culture within the educational curriculum. Yeah. And I guess really the, the whole goal of that is, especially for like if you're on an, a native reservation like Hopis, okay. specifically for Hopis, that to introduce a level of culture within the schools, that it would help to maintain a Hopi identity or it would help to strengthen a Hopi identity. And so as opposed to just learning about, um, I don't know, Newton or learning about algebra or learning about the theory of evolution, learning about cities in Europe that we've never even heard of or have ever even visited, that you would really learn more. You would learn about things that are more aligned with our cultural beliefs. So, so like, like what's the difference between a Bahana-educated person versus a Hopi-educated person? Well, if I can continue with my thoughts. <laughs> You're making no sense to... Your brain is half working. <laughs> well, I, you know, when you chase your own tail, <laughs> I don't cut you off. Well, at least for the most part, I don't. <laughs> you cut me off all the time. <laughs> because you're always chasing your tail. Okay. So, uh, all right. So like the, I guess you, I guess what you're trying to say is that Bahana education is more widely acceptable in the terms of like real world applications rather no, than. No, what I'm trying to say is that there's this idea of introducing culturally responsive schooling out here on Hopi. Yeah. And basically what that is, is that it's a way to alter the current educational structure that we have so that it so that it helps with our Hopi kids, basically kind of creating this idea to keep them being Hopi. Okay. And because the idea is that, like, when you think about something like history, right? Yeah. Because when you think about, like, the classes that we've had, at least from a historical course background, that, like you know, a US lot of history, it, a European lot of it, history. A lot of yeah. it has to do with, like, the rest of the world. Yeah. A lot of it has to do with, like, United States. And so you learn about, I don't know, the pil- Pilgrims landing in yeah. Massachusetts yeah. somewhere, or you learn about, uh, the Emancipation Proclamation. Like, you learn about a whole lot of things that are important for other places, but you don't really ever hear about things that are important to hear. Okay. Like, like you you don't really ever... Like, you don't hear about the Pueblo Revolt in U.S. history books. Yeah. You don't hear about the split of Oraivi okay. in U.S. history yeah. books. Or you don't hear about uh, the smallpox epidemic that hit Hopi yeah. in the late 1800s. Like, you don't hear about this. Thing. Sort of like the the hist- unwritten unwritten part of history that no one has really mm-hmm. delved into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I get you. I get you that whole that whole type of concept and stuff like that. That's what I'm saying, is that, is that Bahana School's uh, learning is more widely accepted because it teaches that value or teaches those types of issues like that. And then when you finally like the woke woke nation, quote, mm-hmm. you know that that whole thing like that, then you're you're teaching actual history rather than like book history mm-hmm. that's been written like in 1985 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, and that's what I'm saying is like there is a difference 
between Hopi schools or like native schools and Bana schools is that they try to incorporate their own history into that rather than uh, than just having like a straight European or you know American history. And so I, I guess that's I guess that's kind of le- it's kind of like um, acceptable in my mind is is it's is acceptable. I mean, like you're not going to well, go well, I, to. I guess I guess let me ask you what's okay. your, what's what's your opinion on that? Like like why w- would you? Uh, well, I know you're not a parent, but like would you be in support of introducing more of Hopi history into the classrooms out here on Hopi? Would you be in favor of even you know like speaking Hopi in the classrooms? Yeah. Even if it doesn't pertain to like a Levi class. Yeah. Yeah. Like, would you, would you, what, what is your opinion on that? Well, you have my opinion on like Hopi or like graduations, wearing your regalia in mm-hmm. the graduation setting. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, like schools like this are mainly made for like the Bahana ways, you know, they're mainly made mm-hmm. for like mm-hmm. um, upholding that certain quality of like um, Bahana life. Mm-hmm. And I think that it should just be kept like that. You know, introducing Hopi into the schools is like, it's it's sort of like it just becomes a curriculum. It's sort mm-hmm. of like it becomes like an elective. Mm-hmm. Like you can choose to um, be in that class or not. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, cooking class, like that. And so I see it as that. And that to me doesn't really um, solidify like this is who you are. You have to take this class as like a requirement. Then it's it tells you that, you have to be hoping you have to be you have to learn your language or you have to know about these things like that rather than this is what you um this is what you want to learn about it, it's the needs versus wants kind of thing I, I, well I, I, I what I think you're saying is that because the way that school is already structured that when you complete your white man's education yeah that you're more fit it to survive in the white man's world yeah do you think that introducing Hopi do you think that would weigh students down and kind of not have them as prepared when they graduate for the white man's world okay so think about it I mean like a lot of the students out here have been educated in the Hopi because it's been it's been done have they they have not been educated in the Hopi way. You know, they they don't even speak Hopi. Once mm-hmm. they get out of Hopi class, you know, you're talking, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, they're talking about this. This is uh, the color Rojo, you know, <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, you know, all of these different things. And then when they get out of the class, then they're t- they're talking English, you know. Oh, yeah, that, uh, you know, my teacher taught me that uh, red is uh, red is the color, you know. Yeah. And it's like, how do you say red? I don't know red because that's how i know how to say red and so it becomes like i'm saying it becomes an elective it becomes a choice to want to learn it rather than a a a wanting to learn it becomes like an it becomes a need to learn it i guess well i I guess i asked that because then you know like because i the the shift and change of our youth right yeah like our young people they're different even from us, okay, who, who aren't aren't even that old. I I still like to say that who we're not even that old. Yeah, or but they're definitely different from people in their forties. Yeah, definitely different from people in their sixties and so forth. And so you know, one of the characteristics that you see, unfortunately, like you said, is that we don't speak Hopi anymore. Yeah, and we don't speak Hopi more than likely because it's not being spoken at home. Yeah, more than likely they're not acquiring it anywhere. To where they're growing up in life without having this knowledge, but I guess you know the 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 purpose, I guess, or at least one of the goals from a culturally responsive schooling system is that well, maybe they can learn it in school. Yeah, because, like because, and I, I guess you know to explain, it, it's not really a class; it would be integrated from the moment that you walk through the door. Maybe somebody's there and they greet you in Hopi. Yeah, yeah, and, and then you go through the hallways. Everything all on the walls is written in Hopi. It's like you're in West Phoenix with the class dealers. Yeah. Except it would be for Hopis uh, with Hopi students. Loloma all the way across. Yes, eh? Uvam, yes, eh? Yeah. And then, you know, it would have all these messagings. And then you go to your class and then, you know, the teacher's Hopi. Yeah. They introdu- they speak to you in Hopi first thing that they yeah. say. You know, how, how whatever phrase that they would say in Hopi. And then, you know, and then it could be like a math class too, but yet they're speaking in Hopi. Yeah. And then, you know, maybe there's elements of Hopi counting within this math class. Yeah. And then so they're getting an education of how Hopis used to count back in the day. How would you, how would you say algebra in Hopi? 
algebra. <laughs> yeah, I get I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying in that that whole Hopi setting, but like you know, I'm I'm pretty sure your kids have Hopi class where they're going, right? They they it's available. It's yeah. available. And do they come home and do they speak Hopi to you? Do you speak Hopi to they'll, them? They'll say words. They'll say like that, an that, actual. That I learned this. I, yeah, like I like an actual conversation. This. Like well, I mean, it's and I think that's kind of one of the and I, that's probably another conversation. I guess yeah is the effectiveness of our current Lavai classes yeah or programs because then you know I think that in one of our previous Lavai episodes that we've mentioned that. Kids aren't learning how to speak Hopi, but rather they're learning how to say words. Yeah. They're learning how to say phrases. And my kids are the same way. They'll come home and they'll know their colors. Oh, yeah. My youngest daughter, she'll come home and she'll, Blanco, Rojo. she'll start pointing at things that are in color. And then she'll, you know, Sakwa, Sikyangpa, Balangpa. Yeah. All of the different things. But nowhere does she ever really use it in a sentence. Yeah. Or, you know, but they, they do learn those Phrases. Yeah, like that, yeah. Like, like the phrase that you said, and then she'll say her name, yeah. Yan, Yan Matiwa. And so they learn those things, but they don't ever really learn it to her. It's a con- conversational thing. And then, you know, I catch myself saying things in Hopi to them. But then it's funny because I've developed this habit to where when I speak Hopi to them, yeah. without even waiting for them to answer, I automatically say what I said in, in English. English. Yeah. And and so so like if I have something, throw this away. Like I'll I'll say it very quickly. Yeah. And so they don't even have a chance to respond like, in Hopi. Like cognitive, like uh like is he speaking Spanish or is he speaking <laughs> is he speaking Klingon? Klingon. <laughs> Is, is that the Klingon practice? You say it in Klingon language. And, and so, I, I mean, like, uh, I, I'm not, I, for my opinion, I guess I would say I'm not for Hopi to be in schools. Mm-hmm. And and the reason why I say that is because Hopi language, Hopi culture should be taught as like in a setting, like in an actual setting. Like you're, because, um, what was this guy's name? He he, he was talking about like how immersive your language, if you want to immerse yourself or you want to learn a language quick, you immerse yourself into culture first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so like a lot of the kids out here are not being immersed into the culture mm-hmm. because we don't do a lot of the cultural doings out here as much, only on specific days and specific um, parts of the year. And, you know, we've spoke about this, at least as far as to your point, not being immersed in the culture that we've kind of tried to lay down at least a visual for the listeners yeah. of what Hopi looks like. Yeah. And that if you're ever to drive through Hopi, that if you go to any of our villages, when you go into the villages that you see a lot of unoccupied homes. Oh, yeah. Or you see homes that are only partially occupied. Yeah. Usually during dances. Yeah. It's when they're occupied. But when you travel in between the villages, you see a lot of trailers. Yeah. Outside yeah. of the village. Villages. You see... Housing communities outside of the villages. And so a pretty sizable portion of our the people that live out here don't live within the village. Yeah, yeah. And so I guess one could make an argument that they lose that opportunity to be immersed in village life because then... We're living like Bahamas now, where we have our air own, conditioning. We have our YouTube. own yards. Oh yeah, we have our own backyards. That you know, some 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 of these homes are so far away that you don't even have neighbors. Oh yeah, yeah. Or that you know, sometimes maybe you do have neighbors, but they don't have kids, so the kids don't have anybody. Yeah, to play, to play with. with next yeah. door, and then so you know that that I think just that practice living outside the village, that you then you tend to take your kids out of the village, and they lose that opportunity to be immersed. Within the village, yeah, which, you know, which is uh, a place of origin that has developed our cultural norms, I guess. Yeah, Hopis. So, like, you know, like what I was saying before is like uh, Hopi in schools. They really don't. They teach. I'm, I'm saying they they do teach really well. They they teach the the language structures and they teach like you know this is what what red means. This is what blue means. You know, and they they do that. They do that to a degree, and it's okay. It's it's fine. You know to learn about those different things like that and but to actually be in part of that uh, or to use that language in an actual setting it's it it kind of just goes over their mind of like even if it, even in like the ceremonial sessions they don't speak english we don't even speak hopi we don't we don't really speak hopi and especially when we're in like that 
ceremonial part of the the whole Hopi. We we still speak English because it, English comes a little bit more natural to us than Hopi does. And when you hear a child just speaking uh, English because it's the first language that they learn, mm-hmm. then we're actually mm-hmm. just <laughs> basically teaching how to be how to be a different culture. Well, I, I guess, you know, an example of that is uh, even like with our dances, like our Kachina dances. Yeah. One of the things that I've always realized is that to make a word in Hopi, to make it plural, there's a way to do it. Yeah. But in English, the easiest way to do it is you just, just add an S. Add an S, yeah. At the end of it. And then so you got little kids running around the village. The Kachinas are coming. The Kachinas are coming. Yeah. The Kachinas came. Yeah. And then those same kids, they get older into teenage years. Maybe their Hopi develops a little bit better that they yeah. actually can start speaking. But then they'll still say that. They'll still say kachinas. kachinas yeah. Or they'll say kachinas yeah. in a little bit more, more Hopi yeah. accent. But yet the term is kachinam. Yeah. <laughs> and so un- being unable to untie, I guess, the From white the, man's yeah. teachings. When you're trying to go into the Hopi door and then when you're trying to apply things in a Hopi way, because then, you know, some of these words too, that you'll see them, you'll either see them spelt out somewhere and you'll see the definition. But then, and I think that's a point to the argument that you're trying to make that a part of being Hopi is being immersed in the culture because then you understand how the how the culture moves. Yeah, how the culture you, works. You yeah. understand how to react when you do something. And then so, you know, like there's there's a word too out there that I see it overly used. Sonics. Because a lot of people don't use it correctly. It's, Sonics. It's uh, nu'an. Oh, I thought you were talking about Sonics. <laughs> it's nu'an because <laughs> the nu'an is a word that means kind of like, uh, I guess, real like like uh, like um, when somebody's naughty, like real naughty. Yeah. Then they'll say nuan uh, him. Yeah. But then because people tie that word nuan to meaning like excessive. Yeah. That they tend to use that word nuan in places that it doesn't belong. Yeah. But then really because nuan, I guess it has a negative connotation. That's where you use that word in a negative. In a negative and, word. In a negative yeah. way. But yeah. then kids don't understand. That that's how it's supposed to be used, and then so you end up using nun for everything, when it's only supposed to be used for certain things. Yeah, yeah, and I I get that. I get the whole the whole way of the structure and the whole idea behind the Hopi part of it. And so I do strongly stand behind my opinion, where it's like you know it it doesn't do much in the schools to teach Hopi because yes, you can learn about uh, colors and. And the different little objects that you mm-hmm. see around, but mm-hmm. it doesn't really take you to a level where you're actually using it in a real world setting. Yeah, you can say that happy and uh, this rock is uh, roho, you know, and you know the, the the whole thing like that. That's it. That's all that they can comprehend. But then after that, then it's all used for English. After that, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it, because that's how we see Hopi society today. Mm-hmm. And we'll continue this conversation after we take a quick commercial break and so I can take a quick 15-minute nap. (laughs) All right, we'll see you in a bit. Are you 16 to 25 years old and living in Maricopa County? If you are, Native American Connections TREE program provides free counseling, life skill development, housing navigation, and substance use treatment for 16 to 25 years old living in Maricopa County. Grow your roots with TREE. Gift cards are offered at every appointment, so call Tree today at 602-424-2060 or email them at youthtree at nativeconnections.org to sign up today. That's Y-O-U-T-H-T-R-E-E at nativeconnections.org. Native Community Capital is your trusted partner for home loans or financing your business. Visit us at nativecap.org or call us at 855-628-2272. Let's work together to rebuild tribal economies. Nurturing Indigenous Intelligence is a grassroots organization based on the Hopi Reservation. They work to alleviate the hardships in the community through acts of giving, from distributing school supplies, volunteering at various places, and working to expand their services. Follow them on Instagram at NurturingI2Squared and on Facebook at NI2Squared Team to find out more. 
we're back with this big old topic of education. And, you know, I you, you just gave us kind of your opinion on the question that I posed to you about oh, yeah. culturally responsive schooling. And actually, you know, I, I think that once upon a time, I used to think, I used, I would have agreed with you once upon a time. Yeah. That because, and, you know, I think that a reason why that, like, especially like some of the older people that do still to this day truly believe that culture should be taught within the homes and it not really be a part of this educational yeah, system yeah. because some of them do have that mindset that you have that this is clearly uh, behind the school. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, let's just keep it behind and we'll do behind the things here. But then when we go to the village, then we'll do Hopi things. Yeah. But I think really for me, the way that I've thought about it and, you know, I do see it as I get older and as we see more and more kids come into our lives that, you know, I am realizing that a lot of what we hope to be taught in the homes aren't being taught at the homes. Yeah. Language isn't being taught at the homes. Our histories aren't being taught at the homes. Other things related to our identities as Hopi aren't being taught in the homes. And so I think that at this point, I feel that in order to preserve our languages or our language, in order to preserve our understanding of the universe that I would be in support of something like that to be kind of developed within our educational system. And I think really it's just because then I think that Hopi, Hopi children at least kind of having more of a cultural foundation, yeah, more yeah, of yeah. a historical knowledge of who their people are, because then, you know, it's, I've always thought about this is that, you know, we all, we all identify and are affiliated with a specific. Belief. Yeah. Yeah. And so when we, I guess, introduce who we are to people. Yeah. That, you know, sometimes we'll say, I'm from this village. Yeah. And I've always thought that, you know, I'm from the village that I'm from, that there's still a lot about the village that I don't know. Uh There's still a lot of historical things about the village that I don't know. And I've always thought that it's a shame that I had to pay thousands of dollars to go to Arizona State University. (laughs) To learn about yourself. To do research (laughs) on myself. (laughs) To learn a little bit about myself. Which I I think is kind of, uh, I mean, it's infuriating to a degree because then, you know, others that might want to obtain this knowledge about their own backyards, that they don't know how to go about doing it because then some of us, not all of us can afford to go to college or some of us, not everybody wants to go to college. And so we don't do that. And then for some reason, you know, maybe just those educators aren't, available to us so either that or maybe they're there but then they're in jail periodically for at bingos drinking or at bingos at the casino or, or maybe they just don't want to educate maybe they just don't want to educate the youth. or maybe they just don't know about them or, or maybe they yeah. don't know either yeah yeah and and so i've always thought that if schools taught this like if you're like if you're at uh i don't know hot valley park Balkavi Community School, okay. right? If you went to school there, and if part of the curriculum was really learning about Hotvela, really learning about Balkavi, learning about the historical aspects of those two villages, then I feel like that as a student from any of those villages, like you're you're empowered. You're empowered because then you know more, you know about more about the, the place history. that you come from. And then I think that, to me at least, in my opinion, and I've heard a lot of others kind of share the same uh, opinion, is that I feel like our students would be more empowered if they knew more about where they came from. If they knew how to speak Hopi, because then what if the language in a culturally responsive school was so good that like it was an immersion program? Yeah. Or you start out very young, you're only spoken to in Hopi. Yeah. And then so instead of just learning how to say rojo yeah. in Hopi that you actually learn how to say it in a sentence yeah. organically. Yeah. Rojo is a rojo own- <laughs> <laughs> No, no. Okay. I, I know what I get to what you're saying now. I get what you're saying. Like, um, but I, I, in my mind, in my, in my mind, I'm thinking like two separate schools. In your peanut mind. <laughs> my mind is big. <laughs> so it's all said. So, I, I think I know what you're trying to kind of say in a way, but I think I kind of have this this type of notion where it's like creating two different types of schools. Mm-hmm. 
where one is taught as a Bahan educated world. You walk in the door. Yeah, and, you and see you're, the, you're you see, greeted you see by the white principal yeah, um, like, wearing a tie. Yeah, yeah. who from you, sir? You know. <laughs> <laughs> You know, the white man says that and But then he says it like a like, behind yeah, um, Welcome Jim Huvum Yes Huvum Yes Yes Yata Hey But no, I, I get what you're saying. It's like that immersion in part of into like the uh, behind the world and then have a school dedicated just for Hopi learning where it's like learning about the history, learning about the culture, learning about uh, where you come from, your clanships and stuff like that. But again, it's like we're we're making it into like a, a Bahana setting where we're making it into that Bahana world like that. And we're, we're taking one part of Bahana concepts and then turning it upside down to make it our own. I mean, I, I appreciate that if yep. somebody does that, but... Like again, like you know, like your 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 roots, your roots, like your clanship, your history, your mm-hmm. own family history, mm-hmm. should be taught in the home. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. A, like you, what you said, a lot of the times that's not happening. That's because you know their their tahas or their soos, their you know all of them. They're not they're not being taught because they might not know or they just don't want to to uh, teach them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're off like, you know, oh, I got important things to do. And, you know, maybe the reason why that we can't, I guess, imagine a school like that existing is because we've never seen it before. Oh, yeah. And because people do, I guess, put a lot of weight on top of the Bahana education. Yeah. So much so that, you know, we're sending our kids to go to school elsewhere. Oh, yeah. Because we want for them to have the finest education. We want them to be able to get college courses while they're in high school so that when they actually do start college, that they're already steps ahead and that in our minds that they'll be more successful. Yep. Because then, you know, we want them to have a good job. We want them to work for Boeing. We want them to work for, I don't know, AT&T. Or Safeway rather we, than Bash. We, we, we don't want them setting up their own their OnlyFans accounts because, <laughs> you know, we want them to be self-sustained. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, you know, in a way that tends to, I guess, counteract or resist an idea of having a culturally responsive educational setting because then... And it could be this idea too, and it's an old idea that if we teach them Hopi, it's going to take away from them learning Pahana. And oh, yeah. if they don't learn Pahana, and how are they gonna then survive? they're not going to be successful. Yeah, how are they going to survive in the real world? Yeah, They might not live here their whole lives, Yeah, and they might want to do other things. And I guess really the only thing that I can think of, at least as far as information that I've learned, is that... You know, at least especially specifically pertaining to the language that, you know, you do hear people say that people that are bilingual tend to, I guess, understand more. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if it's that they're smarter, but I definitely know that there's some sort of plus in being bilingual. Yeah. And I, I think that's possibly because your brain's so strong that you can understand the language pattern of two languages or more. Yeah. If you're multilingual. Yeah, yeah I guess I guess that, that concept still holds still holds true and like again like what i was saying for the the technical part of like learning like in, like learning english is our first language right mm-hmm. i mean like we're born uh, our parents learn english and we we learn english we don't we don't know that we're hopi we don't know that we're <laughs> we don't know that you know we're brown skin until somebody tells uh. us you know like hey you're an odd color, you know. I, you know, it, it's I laugh at that because you know, you, and people out there might think what you just said is is uh, is asinine, but it's not. Like, no, that, that's an actual reality. That's because, an actual reality because growing up as a kid, that you're exposed to the outside world through either television, now through YouTube, through yeah. all these other different media platforms that yeah. exist out there. But because I, I clearly remember. Being a kid, that you know, Christianity was so profound in the TV. Oh yeah, the TV shows that yeah. I watched because then you know the sitcom was always about a Christian family. Yeah, so they went to church on Sundays. Yeah, and that oftentimes that a lot of the phrases that you heard were things like "Dear Lord," "Please God," yeah, "Jesus Christ our Savior." And when I was a kid, that for some reason I just developed this idea that. 
Christianity was inclusive of everybody. That we were all Christians to some degree. <laughs> and so, you know, when I wanted money for my toys, please, Jesus. Put out a donation box. I want $5. Take around a donation box to your parents. Christians said that you grant wishes. <laughs> I'd like money for my toys. <laughs> Waiting for the three wise men. Or that when you do something that you know you're not supposed to, please, God, don't let my dad find out that I did this. <laughs> and But because you're a kid and, you know, especially when nobody's interpreting these things for yeah. you. Yeah, that you just take what you see as fact. Yeah, and like that, like I mean, I knew I was Hopi. At some point, somebody said that I was Hopi. Yeah, my parents, somebody said you're Hopi, and I knew that. But then, yeah, at the same time, I thought we still prayed to Jesus <laughs> because <laughs> that's what I saw on TV. On TV, and I, I'm okay. So when you were growing up, um, were you talked to in Hopi? Like you know, were you? Did they, did they, uh, did your mom sit you down and say that, you know, you're not a white boy anymore. You're a, <laughs> you're a real, you're life a real, Indian. you're a real life Indian. You know, the language John Wayne Indians. actually kills Indians on TV. <laughs> you can't be a cowboy. And you know, that's actually a conversation that I've wanted to get into because we've had several topics specifically on language, but I think we've only skimmed the surface as at least as far as our own personal experiences with the language. Yeah. Because my parents did speak to me in Hopi. Oh, yeah. Growing up, for the most part, both my mother and father are uh, are very proficient in the language. What, what was that, uh, the term? What was that term? Because um, uh, assimilation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that term assimilation. Mm-hmm. We as Hopi people, I guess, pre-assimilated or how would you say that? Not Re- reassimilated to our own culture. <laughs> no, I guess what like because assimilation defines itself as like a, a, a culture overshadowing another culture mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then taking over that culture there. That's part of the assimilation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I guess you would say that like the Bahana culture mm-hmm. is sort of kind of assimilated itself onto us. And we just sort of just went along with it. And for a long time, we've, we've done that. We've, we've held that in time and memorial, you know, <laughs> <laughs> in time and memorial, you know, we, we've time had memorial. We've been assimilated. We've been assimilated. Like even back in like, you know, you see the old pictures, like, you know, the, that, what was the Ansel Adam or I don't know, what was the, what was her name? Kate Corey pictures. Kate Corey. Yeah. You know, you see her pictures and a lot of that is taken back in like the early 1900s. And you see a lot of like the, the modern ways of the Bahana where they're wearing uh, like, you know, um, like these nice shirts. Yeah. 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 Or like, you know, they have like dress pants on. Uh, you know, I've always had that thought too, because in this day and age, at least, you know, for some of the places out here, when it comes to ceremony that we try real hard to, uh, I guess do it in a way that was done a long time ago. Yeah. So, you know, we don't want our, uh, we don't, we don't want the Kachina fathers wearing button up shirts. Yeah. We want them to wear a ribbon shirt. Yeah. We want them to wear the old white pants. Yeah. With their, uh, Hopi totis on. But then you like, look at like that. You're just saying, you look at those old pictures from the early 1900s, 1800s, they embraced it. Yeah. That they're wearing full modern. Garb yeah. While they're, they're doing their ceremony. Sort of like the little nice little bow tie. Mm-hmm. You know, they're wearing like that and they're conducting they got, they some got crew cuts. Yeah. They got crew, <laughs> they got crew cuts. They got a fade going on, you know, back in the 1900s. <laughs> you know, and, and I guess that's what we've, we've had in time and memorial. It's like, We've had that all the time. We've we've were immersed into the Bahana culture as long as Hopi has been alive. So to that point, with this ever changing, continued assimilation throughout the history of our existence, then why not adapt this culturally responsive schooling to our education? Change things as we've changed things throughout our entire existence. Well that at least in this way, that you're strengthening the culture both culture strengthening the language and you know who knows you know maybe you're still creating a successful college grads maybe you're still creating successful i don't know whatever it is that people out there want to do but at least at this point that they have a basis of who they are and they can speak their language yeah that's actually true you know like um 
like going back to your concept of creating like two schools, one for Bond and that, one that for that was your concept. Oh, that was my concept. I well, want to do all in one. Your your my for, my concept your, is separating. Yeah, segregation, <laughs> segregation. Colored people over here. <laughs> <laughs> you only drink. You only drink from this sink here. <laughs> No, I, I guess that's what, I guess that's how, how I kind of see it. It's like, you know, if in order for us, I guess in order for us to like revamp our traditional way of life, like, mm-hmm. you know, back then, like in the 19, 1800s, um, they still spoke their languages. They still mm-hmm. did all of theirs, but they were slowly becoming uh, assimilated into the Bahana culture. Not as much, but more or less like, it's like, oh, okay, I like your, I like your tie. You know, I like your shoes. I, I want to wear them. And it's it's not to where it's like oh I'm gonna go out and buy Nikes, you know? Mm-hmm. you know. But like again, it's it's nowadays we should be doing that. We should do a creation of two schools, like you know, one that is revamping the whole traditional part of Hopi, mm-hmm. and then uh, like night school for uh, you know uh, Bahana education, for algebra for algebra. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I guess. It could work. I mean, because having two schools, one school could be four hours a day, three and a half hours a day. The other could be three and a half hours a day. Then you got a full school day, but you're still getting the best of both worlds. And uh, I actually did want to talk about something else in the realm of education okay. before we run out of time. Right. I know we're getting close to time, but I wanted to talk about the current landscape, at least as far as the students are concerned. Because then, you know, if you're out there and you got kids that are in school, you have seen the dramatic changes that education has undergone within the last two years. Yeah. And I think the primary big, big reason as to why that is, is because of the pandemic. Oh, yeah. The pandemic has changed the ways that our kids have gone to school and it's introduced some positive things to introduce some bad things. It's introduced a lot of heartaches and people's hair is turning white and all of these negative things. And so... Some of the things that our students have gone through as a result of the pandemic, and you know, I see this too myself because you know, I am a parent that I do have two kids that are in uh, grade school, grade school that are still in the elementary level, and then I do have two older girls that are at the college level, and then so even college, you know, about the changes that they've undergone as a result of COVID. But I guess really, you know, kind of one of the biggest things that COVID has changed. Is that it took for a short period of time our kids out of the classrooms. Yeah. And kids weren't in classrooms similar for a lot of the restaurants closing for the same reasons as to why gyms were closing as the reasons to why you couldn't visit your favorite bars anymore is because, you know, fear of uh, contracting the virus and spreading the virus. Couldn't visit your second wife (laughs) <laughs> in your secret, in your secret, secret hangout, your, your secret hangouts the anymore, under, underground bars <laughs> because of COVID, because of COVID, you had to stay with your regular wife. <laughs> <laughs> and and but I, I guess you know the reason how how the schools countered that was this concept of online schooling. Yeah, and so all the kids had to go to school online, but then that creates more financial burden for the schools because then the schools have to buy the laptops. Yeah, they yeah. have to buy the um, what, the Wi-Fi, the, the Wi-Fi, yeah. the the little I don't know what they call those those little boxes that you take home, and then that's how you connect on to the Wi-Fi, the yeah. jetpacks, and then any other type of technological <laughs> jetpacks. I think I believe that's what that's they what they call it. Yeah, we <laughs> and then the technological pieces needed to complete online learning. And man, I can tell you as a parent, that was such a pain in the ass. Oh yeah, of course. I I, I understand. I I hated it. And, you know, I have so much more respect for educators because, you know, I got a small taste of what being an educator was like. Yeah. I did not like it You actually had to see your children eight hours a day. (laughs) Yeah. you, you You actually had to be a father once in a while. And you know, and it's it's tough because then you know for a lot of us too that were working, we got sent home too. Yeah, and so I was working at home when the pandemic first started, and I got both my two youngest at home, trying to go to school through the computer. Yeah, but then my son, he was only in kindergarten at that time; he was five years old, and so trying to get a five-year-old to sit in front of a laptop. When he wasn't allowed to watch YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was such a challenge. And, you know, because being rural. Yeah. That our internet capacity 
is not very capacity. Yeah. <laughs> that, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a narrow, stretched out bandwidth. <laughs> but then you throw every little kid on the internet between eight to three or whatever to go to school that that stretched out thin bandwidth gets even stretched out <laughs> and thin thinned out even more so that you know it tends to break and then there were so many days where the kids couldn't get online because the internet was crap yeah and then because yeah. i was using the same internet to try to do my own job yeah that i couldn't log on some days because it was crap yeah like it was the worst it was like one of the most frustrating experiences that i've experienced as a parent because then as you're trying to get your kid acclimated to going to school online and then you're trying to do your own professional work online that it created such a headache and then because you know students they're not able to see their teachers face to face that sometimes if they have problems working out their school problems yeah then yeah. they turn to you dad how do you do this and yeah you're like fuck i don't know <laughs> <laughs> and then so you're trying to relearn like the most simplistic Basic, educational yeah. lessons yeah yeah and and so on top of you know trying to do your own job yeah trying to create millions of dollars for our own education out here that you know it kind of really stressed you out and that you didn't even really want to be online <laughs> and i guess really on the student side you know that was kind of a challenge too as far as adjusting because you know learning that a lot of these students too that they became really lonesome, I guess, for their friends. Yeah. Because then yeah. they didn't see their friends every day like they did normal with the other, with normal school, quote unquote, normal school. And I guess the fact that, you know, handing all these kids laptops, handing them the keys to the internet. Yeah. That it created more cyberbullying issues. That cyberbullying became a thing. And then people started messaging each other and calling each other fat or four eyes yeah or, you know i don't know what it is that they say they to say each on, other or you know some other probably a lot m much more harsher yeah things that are said to each other yeah and, and yeah I, I get i get what you're saying yeah it, it did it did do a lot of that and uh you know because hopi hopi you know doesn't really uh have a huge you know, mindset to say like, okay, yeah, let's, let's create another, uh, internet provider out here. It, it's just HTI, you know, mm -hmm. HTI is our internet mm -hmm. provider. And yeah, I, I heard uh, a lot of parents complaining like that. Like, you know, cell one was, uh, the provider out here for like internet for like this bandwidth that was so like, it, it was like a straw you're sipping, <laughs> like you're, you're trying to sip like a, a, a blueberry through this straw here. And, and you can get it pretty decently good when yeah. you're by yourself yeah yeah it's like well here's 100 more people here's 100 more that you have blueberries to that you have to share the straw with <laughs> exactly and that's how that's i mean like i i understood the the frustration like that and i mean i was at home enjoying my internet i was like watching youtube on one <laughs> you know the other one had a netflix playing and i then, still then did my work kyle's only fans on another screen <laughs> and i had kyle's only fans on his screen there and I had like one download. <laughs> I don't know how that works. You know how it works. I know how it works. <laughs> I have an I have a page. Follow me. <laughs> but but again, I mean like yeah, this discussion is it can go on forever and forever like that. And and we haven't even uh, like your topics right now, we haven't even touched the second topic. This was basically the first topic here. And, you know, and I guess that was kind of a, a, a good conversation that we had for a topic that we've never really gone into in depth. About. Yeah. Because then, you know, as, as time went on, as the COVID terrorized us like it did, and then when things, when the dust finally started to what we thought was going to settle, yeah. then school started to say, let's bring our kids back. Yeah, you let's, threw them out the door. Let's, let's bring them back. And then the parents are like, fuck yeah, let's get these guys yeah. out of here and put them back. <laughs> so, and there's somebody else's problem now. <laughs> but then, you know, even that transition was difficult because the schools did their best because then, you know, like going to school out here, that the schools really try to implement all of these procedures so that they could protect the students, they could protect the staff from COVID. And so, but unfortunately, you're still getting the large outbreaks. That oh, the, yeah. That COVID would still pop up within the schools. And then you hear about schools closing for up to a week just to try to get control 
and then of you're an uncontrollable situation. And then you're going like, "Damn, I have to be a father again." <laughs> <laughs> and and you know, and I, I guess you know to, to that last comment, and you know that was kind of a heartbreaking thing to realize. Yeah. One of the heartbreaking things to realize was that a lot of our students that when they were starting to go to school, that they didn't have a lot of support at home. No, no. And, you know, it, it's it's no it's no secret that a lot of us aren't raised by mom and dad. No, no. That a lot of us are raised by, by soul, soul and, and gua, yeah, yeah. or our kias, our tahas, oh, yeah. or other clan moms, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And so, you know, that was kind of one of the heartbreaking things to realize is that sometimes, you know, you had soul who's in her 60s or 70s trying to set up her Zoom for their grandchildren. Yeah, trying to learn algebra. <laughs> <laughs> and and so you know that was kind of a, a tough thing to realize because then you know at least you know one of my final thoughts as it regards to the realm of education is that yeah. we think of education simply as being housed within the four walls of an and the roof a, yeah of an educational like, like Hogwarts institution you know, you, just like Hogwarts well you go over there you learn how to do magic and you come back and and you're riding around on a broom yeah and you're playing Quidditch. But the reality is that our education, or at least in terms of support, influence, and in some cases, the ingredients to be successful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That a lot of that comes from the home. That if you have a good home situation, more than likely you have a chance to be a good student. Exactly. If you have the right support that when you come home and... You need somebody to tell you to do your homework that somebody's on you to do your homework. So that way, when you're going to school, that you have that completed or even just the environment that you're being raised in. Because then if you're living with alcoholics, if you're leave, living among domestic violence or domestic yeah. abuse, yeah. drug abuse, absentee parents, etc., that it tends to have a burden on your education or in fact that if you come from a multi-generational home that we've talked about a lot that you know you're there with five of your other kids that are going to school too and you're all trying to share the bandwidth that tends not to go very well <laughs> well and so I guess as being somebody within the educational system that those types of issues that's out of reach and so, you know, we brainstorm about ways to make schools better for our kids. But then it's like, how do you change their environment when they get home? You know, um, time now is running out and I'm getting hungry. So do you have any last words for our listeners for this last season here? What are your last words? My last words are thank you. Thank you for continuing to support us. We did have one of our most successful weeks in the history of the podcast in this season. And so I'm really excited and happy about that. We tried something new and we failed. And I don't think that we'll ever try it again. And that's bringing <laughs> an intoxicated person on from a different podcast. Yeah. So that, that's probably not going to happen. Yeah, again. that's probably true. So <laughs> <laughs> that was the most toxic uh I think we should just take that off or something. Like <laughs> just burn just it. Burn it. And act like just it never exists. <laughs> just burn. But shout out to those guys as well, too. Shout out to the F boys. But again, like, you know, it, it's a great, it has been a great season. It has been where, you know, we got a lot of that topics that were, were met. And I'm, I'm pretty sure we, we probably put you to sleep and this is probably going to be the least uh, listened to episode. I think this is going to be the most successful episode and the listeners are going to be demanding a part two. Yeah. Probably not of you though. <laughs> But but if you guys got this far and I congratulate you because yeah it's it's been over an hour of just listening to J Man uh, blabber on about <laughs> blabber on. <laughs> I was I I fell asleep sometimes so I fell asleep at one point I I know I I was trying real hard to not to make any additional noise because I don't want you to wake yeah, up yeah I know I I, I just got up to, I just got I was like oh my god I, I, I didn't want you to dumb down my episode so. <laughs> All right. So if you guys got this far, uh, you know, you, you've made it, you've, we've, we've all made it. Let's, you know, let's congratulate all of us has made it this far in season eight. And, you know, we, we all made it. And so like again, big shout out to all of our sponsors, big shout out to Varen, 
Big shout out to our 30 pack circle of givers. Big shout out to all of the CJ podcast listeners at home. All right. So if you guys want to donate something, uh, go to anchor.fm slash CJ podcast 85 to become a monthly sponsor. It's only a dollar 99 or four 99 a month. And we do appreciate that. And if you, or if you guys want to just donate a dollar or more, go to, uh, buy me a coffee.com slash CJ podcast 85. And if you're not following us on our social media accounts, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Carl and J-Man. And so as we end this season, that we're going to huddle up with every member that's here, a part of the team, and we're going to think of new ways to expand. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you for listening to Carl and J-Man's Save the World podcast. My name is Carl, and this is my best friend, J-Man. So long, quack, quack.